0: My golly, are you gonna get yourself a deal? You should pay. You should be paying me for this one. <laughs> this is a gold mine. So, so for you, Daniel, I'm sure you have some unique strategy to lease up that most people don't know. And if you don't feel totally comfortable Sherry. I feel uh, totally comfortable. Here. Let's go. You, you, you've made me feel
1: totally comfortable here. And I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Man, what an honor and a privilege to have Daniel here with us today. Daniel, believe it or not, was one of my first real estate mentors. Um, it was right around the time he got started in his own business as a real estate investor. Um, at the time, he was working at ZS Associates. Correct. He he quit there to, to chase his dreams, and I was just... Learning about real estate, right? And we we ended up linking up, and he just from the very moment I met Daniel, he was a go giver. He was just pouring into others, mentoring others, and I think that is that has a lot to do with the tremendous amount of success that he's had. So, uh, Daniel, eight years later, thank you so much for making the time today. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, David. Thank you. And you know, eight years, right? It's been a long time. I think you were in college. I was just getting started, as you mentioned, eight years ago. But, you know, cheers to you, brother, because I I'm so happy to see your success eight years later. And uh, I'm just thrilled for everything you've accomplished. Not surprised because I knew I knew what happened, but uh, but really happy for you. So cheers to that.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Of course. it's my. Pl- it really is my pleasure. I'm so glad you said yes, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people that w- we know, when when they've done really well for themselves, they're like, ah, I don't, I'd rather keep a low profile, <laughs> but um, I- I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, I- I'm sure the audience is going to get a ton of value and wisdom from your lessons and the lessons that you've learned throughout this entrepreneurial journey. Um, for the audience, uh, and for me, can you just give us a, a little background on who you were before real estate. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I've always had real estate kind
1: of in my family a little bit. So my, you know, starting with my grandfather, my mother, uh, we owned a property or two here and there. So I was always exposed to it. As I got older, I was a little bit more involved with those properties. But professionally, I'm, I have a management consulting background. I uh, got my MBA, went back to consulting, a couple of th- other things along the way. But, um, Real estate was always there. It was always, you know, that, that passion that I was trying to do it on the side for a while while I was doing consulting. Um, but, you know, between the travel and the long hours, it just, it just wasn't happening. So there was a moment when I decided to take the leap from consulting to real estate. And you're not going to believe me when I say this, but that moment was exactly to the day 11 years ago. No way. And the, the reason I know is to the day is because yesterday was my daughter's 11th birthday. Okay. And 11 years ago, the day after she was born is when I kind of had, so the day she was born, I was like, you know, I had a baby, whatever. Yeah. but the day after that, uh, I was like, all right, let me reevaluate my life now. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a good time to do it. Um, And I thought, all right, what kind of life do I want to have? Right. Mm-hmm. Do I, and you know, do I want to be traveling? Do I want to, you know, all this stuff. So, uh, there's a lot that I enjoyed about consulting, but um, I wanted to have more control of my time and basically spend that time doing what I was passionate about, which is real estate. So people said it was crazy. It's the worst time to do it. You just had a kid, you know, whatever. But uh, for me, that was the best time because this is where life is sort of showing me two different paths, right? So that's when I decided to jump in full time.
0: That's That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that story, Daniel. Um, (laughs) Happy birthday to the daughter, and cheers to that. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that you said that you had tried to do real estate while working a full-time job. A lot of people, they're like, David, I want to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I want to quit my job, and I want to go do this all in. I say, dude, slow down. (laughs) You have a job that pays your bills. Right. Why don't you start doing it after hours? Why don't you start doing it on Saturdays? But given that you know management consulting is a very very difficult, it's probably one of the hard. It's like close to investment banking. Mm-hmm. You're traveling. You're, right, um, right. You're working odd hours of the day, so I, I understand why you had to make that that leap. Did you have any success on the side while you were doing while you were hustling on the side? I mean, I had one
1: property that I was that I owned, and I had third party management and it was you know it, so i could have maybe bought a second one but that was it i mean there was there was a cap to what i was able to do and you know but i was really interested in developing that as as my as my career so you know, it, it's not something that can just be done in nights, and weekends, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I learned that pretty quickly. You'll get a deal locked up, and then you're working 80 hours a week. What happens to that deal? <laughs> exactly. Awesome, awesome. Um, so uh, from your experience, you're, you're an educated man, MBA. Uh, I think you went to some pretty good schools, too, from what I remember. You're yeah. a Wharton guy, right? Wharton guy MBA, yeah, Harvard undergrad. Yeah. Come on.
1: He's a he's a, <laughs> Come on, flex on the ground a little bit. No, no, it's been, it was a long time ago. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm old now. It doesn't count. It doesn't count anymore.
0: Oh man. Um so Harvard grad, very smart, I mean, incredible accomplishment in itself to mm-hmm. just get accepted. Once you're there, it's a little easier I hear, but mm-hmm. just to get through the door is an accomplishment. Um but from from your experience in corporate and your education and now you know 11 years tenured in the business uh, to you what is a good deal
1: well great question David uh you know that the answer has changed over time right so and it's changed with the market and it's changed with what my own goals were um you know 11 years even five four years ago you were able to buy a nice clean property a multifamily with nice cash flow and upside. Um, And that's changed. I mean, right now, you know, based on rates and how the market's gone, you have to, you have to really rely on that upside. So um, I started out buying small multifamily and it would cash flow nicely from day one. And then it would also have upside. And then the market also moved in the right direction. Now, um uh, so I should say I haven't actually bought anything in the past year um because of where things are and because I'm really busy with all of the properties that we have but prior to that I was really I was seeing good deals in office um the kind of the unloved asset class and um some mixed use so looking at things that not everybody's looking at and looking at m- more upside versus cash flow
0: interesting interesting yeah. How has that treated you, the office play?
1: Listen, I mean, everyone was down on office, especially during COVID. You know, work from home phenomenon is going to take over offices dead. And and it, maybe it was dead for a little while, but um, it's case by case. You know, it's market by market, sub-market by submarket, building by building. Uh, I'm not talking about office buildings like the one here where you have your office. I mean, your smaller buildings. And uh, I was just able to find, that's really the only Place I was able to find cash flow and, um, the upside wasn't clear whether there was going to be upside or not. But, you know, when, when people, when everyone says this is a terrible idea, you know, you're, you're going to lose all your money. So, okay. So let's, let's quantify that. All right. What does that mean? Does that mean, um, I should just plug in a different number in my spreadsheet, right? I should say, okay, maybe the, the, the rent per square foot's going to be a little lower. Maybe the vacancy is going to be a little higher, but like you know, we can work with that. We can come up with, you know, it, so the numbers might still work. So so there's no this whole like the sky is falling thing didn't really happen. Um, so you know, short answer yes. You know, so especially you know the office building where I have my office, we bought it uh, two years ago with uh, about a third vacancy, and now it's it's at full occupancy uh, with higher rents. You know, because it just you know, it worked, the numbers worked, the location was good. So we were able to overcome some of the, these challenges, uh, of, you know, that everybody's talking about.
0: Yeah. True contrarian, man. That, I mean, I am I'm terrified of office space. The fact that you jumped in when the, when there was real blood on the streets, you probably yeah. got some good deals.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't take unreasonable risk. I think first of all, like a lot of the, the stuff, a lot of the tenants we have are medical, Ah. so so that that's a different kind of office right that's um uh much more resistant yes. to 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 these to these uh negative factors right so office and you know there's a there's some personal services so we actually have um uh newer tenant in our building is uh cannabis dispensary so that's mm-hmm. obviously a big uh opportunity in the past year or so uh we got lucky because the town designated that neighborhood uh for a dispensary. So I started getting calls um, from brokers saying, you know, I have a client that wants to open it in a dispensary and they have to open it here. <laughs> they, like, okay. You know, I didn't know that when I bought the building. So that, that I got lucky on. Um, but something like that is, is just,
0: you know, is a pretty solid tenant um, along with the medical tenants. Yeah. Medical tenants are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, had did you have any challenges raising capital for these, this asset class? Um not so much raising capital more the challenge was on the debt
1: side so Mm. so the banks um past couple years have gotten pretty tight with lending the LTVs went down they started holding back escrows uh they started you know asking a lot more questions about the leases and so forth so um it's been a process of kind of proving, you know, <laughs> proving that we can get those vacancies down and we can, and, you know, we're, we're able to do it. But um, yeah, it's, it, it was more of a challenge on that,
0: on that side, on the, on the lending side. Got it. Um, Were prior bank relationships help at all, or were they were, these were new lenders that you had to reach out to?
1: No, you know, they help for sure. And that's one of the things like when I was starting out, um, I don't know if you, can relate, but I thought like, okay, let me, I'll shop around everything, you know, from, from lenders to electricians to plumbers. I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to 10 people and get the best price. And then I realized, you know, one of the lessons learned right over time is, is that, uh, relationships matter. Um, and when you work with the same bank, no, I have two banks really, it's not always the same bank, but, and I have two plumbers, but it's not, it's not 10. And those relationships matter and you will get a better price and you'll get better service and you'll have someone you can trust. And that's worth more than maybe once in a while you save a couple bucks on one deal, but
0: it's worth it to have the relationship. And you're absolutely right. Some of the best sure. people like my my big I'm I still shop. I do. Mm-hmm. Um largely because the beginning of my career was um hard money D S C R products. Mm-hmm. But then once rates started going up, I couldn't get out of my, my deals with with, with the DSR uh, interest rates were. So I had no choice but to go to local banks, right. uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Um, and so now that I'm really learning about how difficult it is to get bank financing and not you know <laughs> stated income loans,
1: right.
0: yes, yes, absolutely. Those, those relationships matter. And when things get really, really hard – and other people stop lending. If you have that relationship, those relationships could save the day. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's great wisdom there. Um, starting off in the beginning of your career, I want to just rewind a couple mm-hmm. couple seconds. Um, you did one deal, you had one that was being third party managed, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, you're brilliant. You're um, you have a track record. in in one of the best management consulting firms in the world, best universities in the world. So I'm sure people trusted you and that you're highly intelligent. Um, But like going out and raising capital with no real track record, that must have been freaking hard for your first few deals. Right, well, the...
1: Yeah, the first few deals is really friends and family. Yeah, I think so. So that's you know, and and that's has its own risks, right? You don't want to, you know, <laughs> you you care about your friends and family's money more than more than your own. So so that's you know, you're highly motivated there to make it happen. But yeah, that's where it starts, and um, and then just kind of one one degree removed from that, you know, friends of friends, friends of family, that kind of thing.
0: Was it difficult at all for you, or? Or like, because for me, raising money in the beginning was probably one of my biggest nightmares.
1: Well, I started pretty small. I mean, I I started, I, you know, it was a very gradual entry into this, uh, which is a nice way of saying I made no money the first year, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, and, and I tried to build credibility by doing everything myself or everything, meaning the management myself, like on the first property. So. You know, I went from managing it myself to hiring a management company to having an employee of my own as a property manager. That was the progression. But I think starting with managing myself, not only did that help me – it was a source of revenue, although small – um, but it helped to build that credibility you know, saying I, I am hands-on at this property. I know everything happening. Wow. <laughs> More than I want to know. But <laughs> but that even that at the beginning that helps you raise money because you're you're just, you know, you've
0: all the skin not just skin, you have all your skin is in the game. You know that's the hardest part of this job, man. Property right. management. Oh,
1: absolutely. I don't know yeah.
0: how the hell you do it. I'm gonna be honest with you.
1: Well, I'm gonna give a shout out now to my team because uh, as I said, I mean, there's been an evolution, but right now I, I am blessed to have a great team of, of five employees, two are property management, three are maintenance. Um, and that's, you know, that's the secret to, to anybody's success is having the right team. Yeah. I'm sure you, you seem to have a great team here yourself. So, so I'm sure you understand, but, um, yeah, you can't do it yourself. Is that is the lady
0: that was still with was w- with you about uh, 8 years ago still with you today?
1: No, I don't think uh 8 years ago wasn't the same person but um but the ones I have now have been been several years already. Awesome. So, yeah, it's it's great.
0: Um I had I was just watching this Facebook reel from one of my mentors. He owns a couple hundred units and he was talking about property management. Mm-hmm. He goes, "People ask me all the time, Should I should I start? Should I manage my own property? Should I should I um, hire property? Should I start a property management company? And he goes, "Stay the hell away (laughs) from property management. It is a freaking nightmare." (laughs) So, dude, kudos to you that you because it helps when you're that hands on, and you're the one making sure things get done. Tenant turnover, lease up. Nobody cares more than you, right? So the fact that you were able to do that is, is a is a huge accomplishment. I guess, can you kind of walk me through some of the pros and the cons and some of the challenges that you had to overcome by in-housing this?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. From the beginning, you know, you get a lot of advice from from people, most of it unsolicited, right? Yeah. And, and it's contradictory advice. Some people will say, you got to manage everything yourself because you have to be hands-on and no one cares as much as you. And then some people say... You have to focus your time on the higher value activities and you have to outsource the property management uh, so i'm getting these you know contradicting advice at the same time and the they are both right so what do you do so but it was important for the learning uh, for for my own learning to with property number one i'm doing it myself all right that yes and then I quickly moved to hiring another company and that was useful because i could learn kind of what they're doing right and wrong and then, but my goal always was to get to the hiring of an employee as quickly as possible. But by the time I got there, I had learned enough to be able to train that person and to guide them and provide, you know, these systems in place, the processes that I how I wanted to do things, and um, and so that and having the right person is. But but you can't. I, I don't think you can do that day one. I think you have to learn. You have to get in get in the weeds a little bit. And then get out of the weeds, you know. Yes. Um, so you know, and then once once I have the right person and they're trained on the systems and processes, then I turn them loose. Then I say, like, you you know that you're the expert on this property. If you're my property manager, you know, I'm asking you what I should do, not the other way around, because you're the expert on this property now. So that's why you're on my team. Right. And and then, you know, if it's a person, you know, it has to be a person that I can trust to. Make those make those decisions and have the right uh, right judgment.
0: Gotcha. Um, I, I mean, how? Fi- it's half the battle is finding the right person. Sure. The right personality, the right temperament, mm-hmm. the right subject matter expertise, um, intelligence level. You know, I, did you find someone brand new or did you hi- uh, hire somebody with existing experience? A little bit of experience,
1: so not brand new, but also early career okay. um, because, you know, I I can't uh, train somebody from, from zero, but I do need – but I also don't want somebody who's done it for so many years that they're set in their ways and, yeah. you know, they don't know anything else. So, you know, the right balance there. Um, I come in, you know, we have a way that we do things, and, you know, hiring somebody internally – by the way, didn't save money versus hi- hiring a, a company, um, but it improved quality for sure, and it improved the consistency. You know, you want to be able to treat all your properties and your tenants the same way, and um, be able to kind of oversee that how that goes. And and so there's value in having that.
0: I, I like that you said earlier that you did your own property management initially mm-hmm. to get in the nitty gritty. And then you hired third-party management, leveraged their tools, their technologies, your, anything that you could learn from them, and then the last step was bringing that and totally in-house. in-house with an employee on staff. Right. I guess by I, I don't know if that was a planned uh, was that planned for you or was that something that you were it just kind of fell together.
1: No, it was, it was planned. I mean, yes. and those were the steps I felt I had to take. Mm. Because um, I knew I'm not, you know, my personality, I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. I'm probably the opposite of that. But, um, but I don't want to hire somebody and say, oh, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. You figure it out. I mean, I want to be able to guide them from the beginning um, on, on how we're going to do things here. So I needed to learn. I needed to gain that expertise uh, through first doing it hands-on and then, and then hiring a, a third party.
0: I think I, I love that because I, I I don't really run asset management for my company. We own mm-hmm. about 188 doors now, mm-hmm. and I I'm very rarely involved in asset. My my business partner, the better half of me, Eric, he's mm-hmm. not here today. Um, thank God for him because he he really bears the burden, and um, that's the hardest part of the job. And um, I get to do the fun stuff sometimes. <laughs> I get the acquisition, I negotiate, I structure the deal, and right. and uh, I'm lucky to have I'm lucky to have him. But uh, what we did was we we did the same thing. We we took down a couple twos, three families, four mm-hmm. families, six units, ten units, and we aggregated about hundred units, self funded and self managed, and we we're like, this is <laughs> hard. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I can't really speak for that but uh, just seeing him operate day to day is a real miracle because he's not only doing that but he's running another another company he's right. running two I don't know how he does it he's a, he's a beast um, <laughs> but uh, so then we ha- we bought a large asset out in Westchester County 79 units yeah 79 units and we hired a phenomenal management company and they are quite frankly, they're way better than us. Well, yeah. good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, that, that, so you did the right thing by hiring them, right? And if we had hired her earlier on and brought in phenomenal management for our existing portfolio, then we would have been able to leverage the learnings. And then, so the last step for us now is, okay, you're going to come here, you're going to manage our portfolio, you're going to help us get things right, and, and like really systematize, weekly reporting, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And then we're going to, we're going to part part ways. And that's kind of laid out already up front. Um, He knows the deal. Um, And so that's the third step for us is eventually taking on this behemoth of a, of a, of a job Mm -hmm. um, and and start to manage our entire portfolio. But I think there's a lot of wisdom to be had there. That's a, that's a great lesson for those that are looking to, to grow your, your real estate portfolio. Um, You mentioned that you were, you were, you you you're, you occupy the space that your, you you occupy one of your office buildings that you own.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, yeah moved into to my own building, but I've done that a couple times in a row now. So that's kind of been been a, a strategy. Really, all the like um, office hacking, if you will. <laughs> like uh, you've heard of house hacking, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, house hacking is is for people that you know probably don't have families and want to like move around every few years. And um, but I think when when we met um or, and work together. I think it, it, the office, we we're renting a, a small office in Bloomfield on Bloomfield Avenue. Um, and so, so we ended up moving from there to a building that we bought. So we built, um, it was a small mixed use building in orange, um, too commercial, two too residential, um, needed full rehab and uh, bought it, started the rehab. I didn't even plan to do this when we first bought it, but then halfway through the rehab, I realized, hey, this would actually make a good office for me. So we moved in to one of the commercial units and rented the other one and and the two apartments as well. Um, then a couple of years later, I ended up selling the building um, and staying on as a tenant for another year. So sell, being a tenant in that building helped us sell the building because we were 25% of the building, so... It, um, you know, and we were a, a great tenant, right, obviously. So, uh, you know, so we we sold the building, stayed on, and then did the same thing again, bought another building, a much larger uh, 14,000 square foot building in West Orange, um, which was about one third vacant and needed work as well. Mm. So we went in there, moved in, um, started leasing it, fixing it up, leasing it up. And we actually moved from one office to another within the building. Once we had somebody that wanted to rent our office. So we kicked ourselves out of that office, moved to the other office and um, and that's where we are. So including our office uh, we're fully occupied now, including that cannabis dispensary there. They're one of the tenants too. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a very funky building, um, but we plan to hold this one for a while, but it, it was just being there was helpful um, for the leasing as well we're on-site management for our own building and um, that's just helped in a lot of ways to get things moving in the right direction there
0: very cool very cool what are some of the strategies and challenges of office that you've had I mean, you've you've taken buildings that were underperforming mm-hmm. um, and you take them to full stabilization um, you're, you're you're doing the capex i mean have you what what are some of the challenges you had stabilizing this office mixed use as opposed to I guess just a regular multifamily building?
1: Well with with multifamily which we have some of we you know if you're renting an apartment you you have to fix it up yourself, right? And then it it's never a problem to rent an apartment, you know, in, in the areas we have apartments for sure, but um so definitely, you know, it takes longer to lease an office space. But um, for especially for the larger tenants, they do the work themselves, mm-hmm. most of the time. So we had um, uh, a build, a medical building in Bergen County, we still have, and we had about 25 percent uh, large offices was about 25 of, percent of the total square footage of the building. And we were having a little trouble renting it during COVID. Then a dental practice came in and they they didn't care what the place looked like because they were going to renovate it to their standards and it is a beautiful I've never seen a an, an office like this a gorgeous dental practice and so all that worrying about what the place looks like and all that you know it didn't even matter oh. it was just they liked the location it was the right size for them they came in and they did what they had to do and so you know it was a challenge to to lease it but Um, some of the benefits are they come in and they do the work and then now they're here for 20 years. Um, And, you know, I uh, of all the dental practices, uh, sorry, of all the medical practices, types of tenants, I think dentists are one of the best because they, they spend a lot of money, they invest a lot in fitting out their space, and then they never leave. And when they do leave, when they retire, they sell the practice to another dentist and then you basically have somebody forever wow. there in that space. So we have three dentists now as tenants across all our properties, and, and, um, and they're great. That's
0: amazing. Congrats yeah. on that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, like when you're take, taking down these deals, um, I, I have no office experience whatsoever. <clears throat> I, I worked at Kane Anderson. We did some medical office. But unfortunately, my tenure wasn't long enough to get to that asset class. Right, I did more senior housing and uh, self storage. But the medical off, they made a ton of money on medical law. It's such a niche asset class with tons of demand, and the trend is that it's going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more demand than supply on the marketplace. So, um, you know, the supply the supply demand equilibrium it, for the next few decades won't be met right Mm -hmm. um so great asset class great choice i expect nothing more from you than (laughs) than to pick a good one um so i guess i guess the question is how long does it take to typically lease up one of these spaces
1: well you know for the for the larger spaces it can take it can take longer a few months you know six months or something you know that's not bad um for the small we have a you know Another building that has uh, small spaces that we get, you know, a therapist that that type of which is like quasi medical, I would say, um, and those tend to, you know, be more similar to residential that they're quicker to lease, but they're lo- uh, shorter tenure of the tenants. Um, so you know, we've been it. It's been a mix. Um, I also tell you the the other asset class that 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 I, talking about being a contrarian a little bit is during COVID is restaurants. I mean, so I, uh, right now we have, we have six restaurants um, and all of them survived COVID. So I'm proud of that. Um, And that was another one that people said during COVID, Oh, restaurants are dead. You can't invest in restaurants. I said, wait a minute. Like people are going to go back to eating at a restaurant at some point. And, Restaurants is another one that once so the 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 tenant may come and go. That's true. They may fail. Restaurants fail all the time, uh-huh. but the the kitchen is still there. So you're gonna be able to get somebody else in there, um, and you know we've only had one that turned over um, ownership, but we had a new tenant come in and they changed the concept and renovated whatever. But Um, That's another one where, you know, once you have it built out the right way in the good location, you're going to have a tenant at some point. I love
0: that, man. It's, you've always, you always thought outside the box for as long as I've known you. (laughs) Um, Like I remember going to your office in Bloomfield, going up those stairs. I think it was a left turn.
1: It was a left turn, yeah.
0: And then (laughs) it it was, it was was a scary, (laughs) uh, scary
1: place. (laughs) Weird. It was the we, not, were, we were come a long way since then. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like you've had a ton of success, Good. dude. So I'm so thrilled for you.
1: Thank you. Good memories there, though.
0: You know, it's always the hardest times that you look back on and you go, "That that was the best times." Because oh, absolutely. Th- that's when your your grit was tested. That's when your fortitude and what you're willing to put in is tested. And that really, t- it's like throwing a. a, a a 12-year-old and sparred out into the forest and saying come back with wolf wolf uh, like a wolf on your shoulders <laughs> or don't come back at all yeah, right yeah. and you became a, a a man you come out like like a beast you can't be stopped after you overcome those hard times but um so y- when you're looking at well, cuz to be honest Daniel when i see a mixed use building i go ugh. Oh. No, and i, I go a, i I go the opposite of that. I go, wow, man, let, me, let me let me take a look at that." <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- teach me. <laughs> teach me like give me like what do you lo- what are you looking for when you see office or what are you looking for when you see mixed use? Um what do you see you you obviously have a different pair of glasses than I do. Mm. What are your glasses? What are you looking for when you when you look at these assets uh demographically? Is this, is it uh traffic count? Is mm. it curb appeal like what are some things that you're seeing that I'm not
1: well in the past few years office has been the main the main asset class where you can still find cash flow all right so right now especially with the rates where they are uh, I'm not seeing it in multifamily um, so if you know and, I, and I've always prioritized cash flow and only recently been you know willing to look more at the upside than cash flow but that's where. That's why I was looking more at office because the current cash flow was there, and if you know the building is seventy five percent occupied and it's still cash flowing, um, I mean that's fine with me. And uh, you know, and I'll and I'll and I'll, I'll I'll see more upside than downside there. You know, if if you know, like we purchase something at the end of twenty twenty one, say so like, well, if these tenants have survived COVID this long, they're probably gonna stay. And then the other 25% of the building we can up. So looking for, you know, office was all about cash flow. Um, I only look at, you know, upper middle and income and higher areas with office. Uh, with apartments, it's more of a range. Um, and then, you know, the mixed use is uh, is great because you have a blend of, you you have apartments. So, so I'm talking about more retail and apartments or restaurants and apartments. The apartments, you'll have zero vacancy pretty much, um, but the rents will be limited, right? Um, and most of the towns where we operate have rent control, by the way. So, But the commercial is the opposite. You're going to have more volatility. You're going to have more vacancy, more risk, but you're also, with the with the economy improving, you're going to have higher rents and you're going to be able to upgrade your tenants more more significantly. So you have a blend of those two. Uh, that's why I love mixed use because you have, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, you, you, you have something for everyone we have restaurants, we have hair salon, nail salon, you know, I don't go to any, either of those, but <laughs> like yeah. barbershop, you know, but um, you know, commercial real estate is a lot of fun though. You get to meet, you know, you get to meet interesting people doing interesting things and, you um, know, help them be successful
0: with their, with their business. It's, that's really cool, yeah. man. That's really cool. So you're a marketing i i you're one of the smartest marketers I know thank you the and, and I think that's kind of what you did when you were as yes too right you were on the marketing consulting right. side yes um I remember you taught me how to aggregate tax liens oh
1: right right tax liens yeah and i remember <laughs> i remember taking
0: that list and sending out my first direct mail campaign from it i and I till this day I still aggregate tax liens um how's that worked out it's so it it's It's usually my high, like, so if you're listening to this, this is gold right here. (laughs) Um, My highest, my highest fees, my biggest deals, my fattest profits have come directly from this list, okay? If an owner has a tax lien and they're just a few months away from foreclosure and losing it, but they have equity, They're not going to want to just lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in years that they put into the property. They're going to want to monetize or get paid nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you could find these three categories in one owner, they're going to foreclosure in the next three to six months, they have equity in their property, and they inherited it over the last two years, my golly, are you going to get yourself a deal? Should pay, you should be paying me for this one. <laughs> this is a gold mine. So, so for you, Daniel. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me, by the way, teaching that to me. But if you are I'm sure you have some unique strategy to lease up that most people don't know. And I, if you don't feel totally comfortable sharing. I feel totally comfortable, David. Let's go. You, you've, you've made me feel totally comfortable here. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So can you share some sort like what are you doing? What are some strategies that you implement to uh, lease up retail and office? Because a lot of people are failing at this.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so depending on the property and the size of the unit, uh, sometimes I do put it out with brokers and sometimes I don't. So even though I, I'm i also a licensed realtor, I I do, I do work with other realtors just to help access... Or help me access their network, so it's worth it sometimes to do that, um, especially for the larger units. Um, but you know we're we're blasting, you know, social media. We're doing uh, you know LoopNet. We're doing uh, for for residential at Zillow, Trulia, and those. But for for commercial, it's more LoopNet than the MLS, and um, and also just being you know involved in the community. So we're you know we're. We're, we're mostly centered on uh, around Essex County. We have a lot of properties around, you know, West Orange, Montclair, um, Bloomfield. So, um, you know, we get involved with, let's say, the, 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 the towns and the, the, the downtown association and we hear, you know, this tenant's thinking about moving somewhere else or, you know, we have a space that could suit them and these kind of things. So, so it's a lot of uh, word of mouth, which, is, which takes work know, but it 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 pays off.
0: That that's probably a huge. You're probably getting tons of benefit from that network.
1: Yeah, yeah, and fortunately, we haven't had a need for it that much because we haven't had a lot of turnover, really. For uh, especially for retail, there hasn't been a ton of turnover. Um, office, you know, here and there, but um, yeah, we've we've you know look half half the battle is keeping the tenants you have by the way so that that's really you know that's where i have to uh i have to acknowledge my team in, mm. in you know the service that they provide to the tenants that we have uh, that helps retain them that's the first thing you know and so we so we won't have as many
0: vacancies right shout out right. to the team you guys are doing a great team. job you guys are doing a great job go team <laughs> go team <laughs> <laughs> Um, D- Daniel, I remember when we first met, uh, I, if I recall correctly, you're a five-year exit, Fi- uh, you're buy value, add exit five years, uh, the standard private equity mm-hmm. syndication model. Have you transitioned at all to more of a corp, like a long-term play or, you know, dealing with different timelines of investors? Have you, have you deviated at all from that strategy?
1: Well, yes, because, you know, when I was... And still now, when I first starting in now, I, I don't feel it's right or I don't think you can just tell somebody we're going to keep your money forever. You know, you, you have to give them, uh, whether it's five years or more, you have to give them some time horizon. And so there, there have been now several investments that have hit that five-year mark or seven-year mark, and what's happened is that most of the time investors say, so, so I've I've come to them and say, hey, I know I told you that we were going to exit in five or seven years, but I don't see a good opportunity now. I think you know we're paying dividends, things are going the right direction. I think we need to hold it longer. And most people say, all right, I'm I'm on board with you. Um, but for those who want to exit, we could work it out where we buy them out. Mm. And we, and we've done that. We've done that, and you know everybody's happy because the investors that are staying in. Get to increase their share, right? And um, and usually we can structure it so they're not actually out of pocket. We just, you know, the the distributions that are being paid out will just go to the exiting partner. Okay, so uh, it's not like everybody's coming out of pocket. And then if you're if you are staying in the deal, then you just don't get those those distributions, but your equity is is increased. That is. F-
0: that is so smart. I've never ever heard of buying out a partnership by redistributing the f- distributions and, um, and 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 creating more for that exit partner, mm-hmm. so they get more cash flow in the short term. That's really smart way to do it. I would hate to buy out an investor and lay out that per- per- personally, or have someone else do that. So, I guess that really is a, a very very good way to do it. Thank you for that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know. A lot of people are not concerned with getting that that distribution check, but they don't want to come out of pocket. Of so we're just trying to help everybody meet, you know, their goals here. So we we, we can usually work it out. But, I love that. Yeah. There
0: might be there might come a time where I'm gonna have to do that. So all right. <laughs> good stuff, man. You're always dropping bombs for me. Thank you. All right, all right. Um I have one wh- one more question, but um before before we wrap up. You know, interest rates. I mean, it's it's been record-breaking how fast they've gone up over the mm-hmm. last two years. Um, how are you navigating this current interest rate environment? So, whereas I, I started
1: off focusing on cash flow, now I've found that because the prices haven't dropped enough to compensate for the higher rates, that the cash flow is not there. I mean, their deals deals... Uh, where at the price that you can real realistically buy a property for, you're not going to cash flow. So therefore, um, you know, besides not buying anything, but if, you know, what I am looking to buy is focus more on the upside. Okay. So, um, you know, properties, and, and when I say upside, it's it's not this magical, you know, the market's going to change that's out of your control. You know, I, I prefer something that is, is um, yeah, property's been... Uh, Underutilized, you know, under underperforming. Um, again, the mixed use is great because you have apartments that are below market rent. That as people move out, you can renovate. You have um, tenants that you know, commercial tenants that maybe there's vacancy or maybe they're under market as well. So things that are more under your control. If you can buy a property, you know, I still like to break even. I I still don't don't look at properties where I'm going to be losing money every month, but at at this point, you can't ask for too much with the rates the way they are. Um, you know, so, and I don't like this whole negative leverage, borrowing at 8%, investing at 5% cap rate, you know. But if you can break even and you have some upside over time, great. I I think that's what we can look for now.
0: You know, it's really amazing that you say what you say. You've taken a mm-hmm. lot of the philosophies of highly successful uh multi-debt generational investment firms and you've had the discipline to stay stay in that zone, right? I remember listening to a podcast about a year ago and um, I'm forgetting the the name of the company, but it's one of the largest real estate private equity firms in the world. And the key for them was exactly what you said. Buy for cash flow today, Mm -hmm. right? Make sure there's room for value-add opportunity. Can you decrease expenses can you increase top line income um and is this in a market where there's strong growth um like montclair bloomfield some of the, the areas that you're investing in they're definitely positioned for like it's the upper middle class right sure so um super super awesome that you're staying disciplined in your in your investment approach um have you ever considered seller financing creative uh seller seller carry back? Uh, yeah, we've done it a couple times, actually. Really?
1: Uh, not recently, but early on when, um, yeah, when property, especially when properties with uh, high vacancy and where banks shy away, um, that can be a good, you know, with usually one year term is, is enough to get things turned around where you can refinance in, into a into bank loan. But yeah, um, and that's something that also makes sense today with the higher rates, uh, so yeah, it's, it's worth exploring for sure.
0: Very cool. Um, for the audience, if they want to invest with you, what kind of returns in terms of cash flow, uh, I guess cash on cash returns can they expect, uh, over, over a five-year horizon And, and what kind of, uh, total returns or IRR are you targeting? So
1: we historically, you know, we, we, and we had projected and we, and we've hit or exceeded about 15% IRR on, um, you know, whether it's small multifamily or mixed use. Um, so, but as, as I mentioned, we haven't really sold a lot. So it's, um, it kind of, you know, remains to be seen. And and that means that that we see even higher, higher potential than that in the future. I mean, if we... Um, if we thought we could sell it for 15% IRR, we would, but we think we're going to do better than that uh, going forward. So we've held on to a lot of things. Um, now, the, what you buy now, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to promise an IRR these days because, yeah. because of where the rates are and, and, and volatility and stuff. So uh, we're being very selective about, about upside. So definitely there's a little more risk now, um, but with the right asset, you can still opportunity.
0: Going into twenty twenty four, Daniel, what are what are some of the goals that you have in mind?
1: So, David, I'm looking to to expand by partnering with with other investors. So, I've um, you know from the early days of managing the properties myself, I've done a lot of the hands on work, um, but there's a lot of great great people out there that are you know maybe early career, very hungry, very motivated to invest in real estate. I want to be able to partner with them, whether it's by um, an equity investment, or adding some of my expertise, and be able to grow that way. Not necessarily every property managed and run in my office, but be able to grow a little bit by by working with other operators.
0: Awesome. Uh, my mentor, actually, I, one of my paid coaches, I paid him twenty thousand dollars to coach me, and he signed a, the the uh, the Fannie Mae loan with me because mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't qualified. I, I had enough. Uh, liquidity and AUM and track record, but I didn't have enough um, experience on deals that big. Mm -hmm. So now that I've done that, I'm a Fannie Mae guy and I can start offering that service. But uh, so, so yes, just to be more clear, right. It's hard to get big financing. It's hard. It's, you can't pay enough for great mentorship. Mm -hmm. Um, And to have someone that has been um, true, a true mentor to me and, And just an overall great guy, man. I think that's a huge value add that a lot of people can get. Um, For the audience, um, if they want to reach you, whether they have a deal, uh, if they want to invest, maybe they're a lender and they're like, I got a great office and mixed-use products. Um, If the people want to find you, reach out to you, Daniel, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Yeah, thanks, David. So uh, we're about to revamp the website, but pimstone.com is my management company, pymstone.com. Uh, so we're on Facebook and I guess it's called X now. I still can't say that. Twitter, <laughs> X. Uh, X and and, and Facebook. Uh, haven't haven't gotten into the gram yet, but I, I hear I'm supposed to. So. <laughs>
0: but Pimstone Realty on, on Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. Daniel. Honored to have you on the show. Great catching up with you, man. Thanks, Thanks. so much. David.